0: come on hey look to your neighbor say i'm ready for tonight come on look to them say you ain't ready you ain't ready hey stay standing real quick i know i did that on purpose i let you sit i did it on purpose hey i'm gonna do something a little little weird but I, i feel man i don't know i just i feel so deeply in my heart that the lord wants to move tonight that the lord wants to do something powerful. I don't I don't know what you walked in here with. Oh, by the way, I'm Andrew Patrone. Uh, I'm on, on the Young Adult staff now if you didn't if you weren't here last week. So good to be with you guys. If if, if you would be so comfortable, would you would you put your hands out, out like this. If this is your first time at church, you don't have to do it. You can keep your hands in your pockets, fine. But look, just like that song said, a lot of times we like to sing it, but we don't want to walk in it, right? And we said hear my heart high and surrendered. So what we're going to do tonight is I believe the Lord wants you to surrender your heart because the Lord wants to do something powerful in your life. And so we sang it, so now we're going to say it, and then we're going to walk out in it tonight. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you tonight to do in my life whatever you want to do. Come on, one more time. I'm a little bit prouder, okay? Dear Jesus, I give you this night to do in my life whatever you want to do come on say amen give someone a hug you take a seat hug them like you mean it ah valentine's night come on you're like i know bro that's why i'm here that's why i'm here Hey, Valentine's night, you know, it's just another night for couples to pretend like their relationship's better than what it really is anyways. You know what I'm saying? Come on, all these people posting pictures, you're like, I know you don't like them that much, but you're trying to pretend, you're trying to front. Uh, Man, you know, but I I felt like tonight, because of our relationship... Because of uh, the relationship series that our church is in, because of tonight, I felt like it was appropriate to talk about relationships, uh, and and tonight I, what I want you to do is I want you to, to remove from your mind, hashtag relationship goals, and bring into your mind, hashtag soul goals, okay? Tonight we're going to talk about our soul and what God wants to do, and our soul, I know some of you are like, no, I want I want him like six feet tall, like I got some goals. I'm going to look good, sound good, worship good, Right? Some of you fellas like, I want her cute in the face and skinny in the waist, hey. Come on, bro. I get it, but I believe that tonight the Lord wants to work on your soul. The Lord wants to work on your heart, and hopefully tonight we can take a new uh, spin on this topic. And I believe that sometimes if you want a different outcome, you got to do something that you've never done before. And so I believe that tonight the Lord maybe wants to speak to you in a different way, in a different light, so you can have a different outcome than all the other outcomes that you have had in your life in the past. Is that cool? And so I want to read a passage for you. It's going to be out of Genesis chapter 3. You're like, oh, great, here we go. Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn to it. If not, it'll be on the screens. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Chapter 3, verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sowed fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, and as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord, God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So I hid. Tonight, I want to talk about how the way in which you view yourself is the greatest factor to the health of your relationships. The way in which you view yourself is the greatest factor in the health of your relationship. Tonight, I titled this message, if you're taking notes, No Shame in This Game. No Shame in This Game. Let me pray for you. Lord, man, I thank you so much for tonight. I need to take a deep breath, Lord. I know you're going to move. you got a lot to do. Um, God, I pray that hearts would settle in this place tonight. God, I pray for uh, the heart that came in here burdened. I pray for the heart that came in here far. Uh, Lord, that you would respond to them. God, you say, draw close to me. I'll draw close to you, Lord. May as we take steps towards you, Lord, may may you respond tonight and be faithful to that. And everybody says, Amen. So my wife Jerica and I—it's my wife over there, Jerica. And it's my little son, Abram. Hi, bud. You good? You got your Super Wings toys? Yeah? Daddy loves you. Uh, so we, we've we been married for, for almost eight years now. It's uh, been the best eight years of her life. And it's, you know, it's it's been been quite the journey. Uh, man, We we have had our ups and downs. We have had our good. Have we had our good? We have had our bad and we have had our ugly uh but i stand here today with full integrity that i love my wife more than i've ever loved her and babe i'm so grateful for you um and the woman that you are and i'm so proud of you and thank you for all that you've meant to me i want to be standing here today if it wasn't with you um she stuck with me through thick and thin uh and not many women would have done what she did for me so i love you sorry oh, lord bring it together what the heck We've been married about eight years. Love my wife. Uh, But when we first met, we were in high school. And we were going to youth group together in high school in good old Springfield, Missouri. And she was a junior. Yes, come on. Central Bible College. What's up? So... So we were uh, living in Springfield. I-, I, was, uh, I was a senior in high school. She was a junior in high school. But uh, I was a major jock, and she was a total, like, hippie musician. So it was just like, mm, it wasn't working. You know. I think I tried to, like, kiss her a couple times, but she wasn't down for that. So it-, it really wasn't working in high school. And so all of a sudden, though, you fast forward a few years, and we're both in college. And one day I go to church. It's, it's during the summer, and-, and I go to church, and I... I see this lady down the end of the lobby. I'm like, who that? Who that? You know what I'm saying? Fellas, don't, don't lie. Come on, you're doing the same thing. Who that? And so I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is Jerica. Jericha Perrier. I'm like, oh my Lord, she is fine. She turned in from like this, this little like girl to a beautiful woman. I'm like, I see that. I like that. I want that. I'm gonna get that. So I remember all of a sudden I like turned it on where I'm like, I gotta figure out how to win her over. And you know how it is when you like somebody, you know how it is, you got a crush on somebody at young adults, like you fix yourself up and you put yourself in a position to be seen by that person, right? Don't that come on, you know what it is. You watch where that person's sitting and you make sure and sit two, two rows in front of you like you've been prayed for anybody in 15 years, you're like. Praying for your friend, whispering in her ear, like, just, just act like you're crying. Come on, please. I need this. I need this. <laughs> you know, we've, you've done it. That's why some of y'all sit in the front row. Uh, just kidding, just kidding. That's great. But I I remember I did that at at a camp because we we served in camp together. That's why you need to serve in youth ministry because that's where you're going to find your mate. So please serve in youth ministry. Uh, But we we served at a camp together, and and I remember doing that. I remember standing in line in front of her so that she could see me. And I looked behind and she was, like, talking to somebody else. I'm like, come on, look at me, right? But I remember putting myself in, in a position to be seen by her and and nothing was happening and you know desperate times call for desperate measures you know when when you it's a last-ditch effort for that person to see you and respond to you and so my brother was actually dating uh her roommate at the time who's actually his wife now this was jerica's roommate and i was like bro i need help okay i'm I'm, I'm gonna come to jerica's house with you what do you know you're not i'm like yes i'm coming to the house with you all right and so I, I just show up at her house. I don't know what I was thinking. I just show up at her house, and she's not there. And <laughs> so I'm sitting on the couch with my brother and his girlfriend, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I texted Jerrica. I don't know why. I texted her. I said, I'm at your house. <laughs> and all she said back was, you're weird. And that was it. Like we didn't go on another date for like three months. We, that was absolutely it. But fast forward, uh, we, I ended up taking her out first date, Ocean Zen. It was great. Springfield, Ocean Zen, whatever that is, seafood in uh, Springfield, Missouri. But it was great. We enjoyed it. Uh, we dated off and on for a couple of years. You all know what that's like. Sorry, babe. I was immature. I needed some work on my life. Uh, but then we got engaged a few months later. We got married, and the rest has been history. So I just want to share a little bit of how we got together, okay? That story really meant nothing to the sermon, but I just want to tell you something. <laughs> Let you in. I loved Jerrica. Like, she, she was one of those people, that, for the first time that I, I met a female that I was like, man, I think this is the kind of female that God has placed in my life that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And it was a very clear picture to me that I, when I knew, I knew. A lot of people were like, when do you know? I don't know. You just know, right? You just know when that person is the person that God has called you to be. And Jericho was everything that I wanted. But I remember walking into marriage feeling a lot of things about myself. I walked into marriage feeling a lot of things deep down inside that no one knew about, that Jericho didn't know about, that my friends didn't know about, Because, you see, I grew up always feeling this deep desire and this deep need to protect my image. Image Protection Agency. You're in it too, some of you. But I felt this deep need to protect my image. And so I would never allow anybody into my sin, into my brokenness, into my weakness. I protected my image. And the reality is that I went into marriage with a lot of undealt with pain and hurt. Some self-inflicted, some not. But I went into marriage also with some sin patterns that I had never told anybody about. My wife didn't know. No one knew about because I was too afraid to let people in because I had to protect my image. I went into marriage on the outside being this confident guy. I played football in college. like I, I was like this confident guy on the outside. But deep down, I was dying and buried in insecurities. But I remember I had this thought in my head that once I get married, those kind of feelings will subside because I'm I'm connecting with somebody that is going to bring value to my life. And I had this thought that I'm going to rescue my damsel in distress. I'm going to be her knight in shining armor, and we are going to ride off into the sunset, and we're going to leave all of our junk behind, that the new life has come, the old is gone. Psych. That I went into marriage thinking that everything was going to change, that all the things that I felt about myself, all the deep issues and struggles and hurts and pains that had gone undealt with, that somehow it was going to heal within my marriage. And because it didn't, I ended up walking around with a lot of shame. Because I felt like a major fraud. And the bigger fraud that I felt, the more that I hid And the more that I hid, the more ashamed I became. Like this vicious cycle, right? I felt like a fraud, and so I hid, and I felt shame. And I felt more like a fraud, I hid, and then I felt like shame. You see, shame played a major role in the unhealth of my relationships. Unhealth played a major role in some of the unhealth that I brought into my marriage and that we had to work through in our first few years. See, there are many people in here tonight where shame has played a major role in the unhealth of your relationships. When it comes to friendships, dating, engagement, marriage, shame has played a major role in the unhealth of your relationship. And when I talk about shame, shame, I I want to define shame as like this this form of regret and this form of of almost this self-hatred. And shame and guilt are different. You see, guilt says, I'm sorry for what I did. Shame says, I'm sorry for who I am. Shame is this deeply rooted thing that infiltrates your soul, that makes you sorry for the person that you are that exists on this earth today. Shame is far different than guilt. And you see, I think that people feel shame in a lot of different ways. And shame comes in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. So there's a lot of people who shame, for you, is a self-inflicted wound. You did something. You said something. You lived a certain way. You did some things you shouldn't have done or didn't do some things that you should have. Self-inflicted wounds for things that you think, for places that you've allowed your, your mind to go, your heart to go, for your body to go. Some people in here You have shame with wounds that were inflicted on you. Let's be real tonight. You didn't go looking for it. It came looking for you. You feel shame for the anxiety that you feel. The depression that you've experienced. The OCD or the suicidal thoughts. Someone hurt you, abused you, betrayed you, cheated on you. And we have these moments where we experience all of the shame. And, and, and the more that we experience it, the more it goes undealt with, the more we begin to listen to the language of shame. You see, shame says that you're unwanted. Shame says that you're a fraud. Shame says that you're inadequate, that you're defective, that you're flawed. That's the language of shame. See, shame says when it comes to relationships, take what you can get. Because if someone really knew you, they wouldn't want the real you. Shame, shame, it screams at you. I know the person that you want. I know the person that you dream about. I know the person that you journal about and you pray about. But the person that you are does not deserve the person that you want. And that's the language of shame. And so what we do is the more we feel it, the less we allow people in to our lives into our souls, into our brokenness, our hurts, our pains. You see, I believe that shame is the ultimate detractor to being the person that we desire to be in relationships. It's the ultimate detractor. Because shame causes you to bury and hide who you are, therefore not allowing intimacy to take place in relationships. Hear me. Where there is shame, there can be no intimacy. And I'm not talking about physical intimacy, okay? I'm talking about the intimacy that that deep down inside, even fellas, like deep down inside when, when we really think about the things that we want in life, the intimacy that's mental, spiritual, emotional. Where there's shame, there can be no intimacy because shame turns us inward and pushes people out, keeping us from experiencing one of the deepest innate desires that we have in our lives, which is to be Known. The more I hide, the less known I am. The less known I am, the less intimacy that I can experience with people in my life. For some of you, let's be real, shame has trapped you. Shame has abused you. Shame has used you. And I believe that you came here tonight because you're done with it. Like, you, you're, you're over it. You just don't know how. But you showed up tonight because you're saying, I, I know what God has placed in my life. I know what God desires for me when it comes to relationship, and no more. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to get there. I don't have too much longer, I promise. But the story that I read earlier about Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve are the OGs of the OT, okay? The original gangsters of the Old Testament, okay? Like, they they were the first ones to ever have a relationship. They were the first ones to ever do the dirty, okay? Like, they were the first ones to ever love, but they were also the first ones to ever experience shame when it came to a relationship. You see, whether you're a Christian or not, you know the story of Adam and Eve, okay? They were the first humans created, God created the land and the sea and the sky, the birds and the bees. God created everything. And then God decided that he wanted to create man, so he created Adam. And then out of Adam, God created Eve. And they were in perfect relationship. Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with one another, and they were in perfect relationship with God. The story says that Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. When everything, before anything went down, they were naked and they felt no shame. Adam never had issues in this moment of, am I adequate enough? Am I masculine enough? Am I strong enough? Adam never had questions like that. Eve never had questions of, am I worthy enough? Does he see me the way that I want him to see me? Eve never looked in the mirror and wished that her body looked different. Because they were in perfect relationship and there was no shame. But you know how the story goes. God gives them this one rule and says, look, partake of anything that you want in this garden. But my one rule for you is that you cannot eat from the the tree of life. You cannot take a piece of fruit and eat from the tree of life. And the story goes that the serpent, the devil, comes to Eve and says, look, If you partake of this apple, you're going to experience wisdom and knowledge, and your eyes will be open. What he was saying to Eve was, God's been holding out on you. God's been holding, that's what the enemy loves to scream at you, that, hey, do this, do that, because God's holding out on you. And so he convinces her to take a bite of the apple. And then Eve goes to Adam, and Adam takes a bite of the apple and that's the fall. And it says that then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They took one bite of the apple and all of a sudden their eyes were open, and they realized that they were naked. You see, the apple was the moment that shame entered the world. The apple was the moment that shame infiltrated the hearts of Adam and Eve. And I wonder what your apple moment was. Like, what was the moment for you or moments for you where shame entered into your soul? What happened to you? Was it when you were younger? Something happened to you. Someone did something to you. Was it a sin that you partaked in? Whatever it was that in that moment you partook in it or it happened to you and that was your apple moment where everything changed, where shame infiltrated your soul. We all have it. That was their apple moment. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. Sorry. I don't know. Where's our son at? He, all, right. all right. He's three, he's fine. They went from being naked and unashamed to hiding and covering their true selves. I did some research on fig leaves. I was writing this message at like two o'clock in the morning. Okay, I went to some places. Actually, that didn't sound that great. I, I hey, covenant eyes, fellas, come on! I just about tripped. Let's not put that, can we take that off Facebook (laughs) Live? I researched fig leaves at at 2 o'clock in the morning. And and, and here's what I found about fig leaves. That fig leaves are known to be extremely prickly and itchy. Okay, and they put them on their private parts. So fig leaves were extremely uncomfortable. In other words what they were hiding behind was not sustainable and would not last. What they were covering themselves to cover the shame was not sustainable and would not last. What you are using to cover your shame and hide your shame is not sustainable and will not last. It might for a moment, it might for a season, that person, that facade, It might last for a moment, might make you feel the things that you desire to feel, but it will not last and it will not sustain you. You see, they hid in a specific way. The shame was the same, but we hide, I think, a little bit different. You see, we hide, maybe when we feel shame, we hide behind our phone. We hide behind Netflix. I don't know. We hide behind our social media accounts. We create this image of ourselves in hoping to create this facade where people won't see the real me and what I'm feeling in my heart and in my soul. You see, we hide behind our body image. That if I look a certain way, if I work out enough, if I look cute enough, if I look sexy enough, if I look muscular enough, however I might look, if I look good enough, then people will see me how I see myself when I look in the mirror as far as my body image goes. We hide behind our career and educational facades. We hide behind making ourselves busy. We hide behind substances. We hide behind relationships. Fellas, we hide behind our masculinity. We hide behind our performance. And look, the more you hide, the less you're known. And the less you're known the less you'll experience the kind of intimacy that the Lord came to offer you. Not only with him, but in relationship with others. You see, shame caused Adam and Eve to first hide from one another. But secondly, and more importantly, it caused them to hide from God. Shame caused them to hide from one another, and then it caused them to hide from God. Let me read this. It says, and the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? And then he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God's walking around the garden, Adam, where are you? And Adam, in this moment, is like, God, I sinned. I screwed up. I did something I knew I shouldn't have done. You told us not to do something, and and I sinned against you, and I, I felt so shameful, and I felt like you'd be so mad and so upset with me, and that your wrath would come on me, so I hid. I hid. Does anybody else resonate with Adam and Eve, or is it just me? Come on, I I do this all the time. I'm a pastor, okay, and I I have a wife and a child, but I I promise you that there are many times in life where because of what I do or because of what I think or where I allow my mind to go or just whatever it might be, that shame can infiltrate my soul. And usually what I want to do when shame infiltrates my soul is not read my Bible. Like the last thing I want to do, I'm a pastor, and I don't want to read my Bible because I feel so shameful. I don't want to pray. I don't want to come to church. I sure as heck don't want to stand up on stage with a mic in my hand and feel like a fraud in front of everybody. I I, I mean, we have these moments where shame infiltrates our soul, and instead of running to the Lord, we hide from him. And then we lose intimacy with the Lord. And can I tell you, you hiding is exactly what the enemy wants. You're you're speaking the language of the devil. Like you hiding, you are playing in exactly the way that the enemy wants you to play. John 10.10, for the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, look, shame's nature is to divide and then separate and then isolate. And that's what happens when we allow shame and we don't deal, it. The deal with it, is that it divides us, it separates us, and then it isolates us. And the more we isolate, the less known we are, and the less known we are, the less intimacy we experience with God and other people. You see, the, the second you wake up in the morning, your soul is in spiritual warfare. Your soul is in Opposition. And on one side, you have the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you, trying to speak the language of shame. And usually, it's that subtle, uh, quiet, self-condemning voice in your head over and over and over again that you're not worthy. You screwed up. You messed up. You better hide. And then on the other side, you have, but I came so you may have life and life abundant, life to the full, a life that you can never dream of or experience. And the Lord's fighting for you. But when you isolate yourself, guess where you go? You go here. You remove yourself from the presence of the Lord when you isolate yourself because you can find yourself in a place where you lose intimacy. See, when shame enters, we get narrow-minded and can only see what shame allows us to see. And it creates this barrier where no longer can we receive or accept the the love offering and the mercy and the grace offering of the Lord because we're so narrow-minded and we can only see what shame shows us. Andrew Comiskey, he's an author, he says this, shame is the raincoat over the soul repelling the living water that would otherwise establish us as the beloved of God. Think about that. Think about your soul. And every day the Lord wants to Lavish his love on you. And pour his living water all over your soul. But shame is this umbrella that repels off. And doesn't allow your heart and your soul to be infiltrated by the love of Jesus Christ. I feel like. I, I know it's got to be resonating with some people. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's resonating with me. I, 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 had, I had some moments this week where I'm like, I better practice what I'm preaching. But, I, but I, like I told you last week, I'm never going to stand up on stage with this mic and, and pretend like I'm perfect. I, I always say this all the time because someone smarter than me said it, but preach on your weaknesses. You'll never run out of material. Okay, so that's why every time I stand on the stage, it's probably because I suck at what I'm talking about. But I read about it to get better at it, Okay. I feel like God, for some of you, is walking around the garden of your life and saying, where are you? And I think you picture that he's screaming it, that he's He's angry. Where are you? I called you. I saved you. Where are you? No, 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 no. I think the Lord is saying, where are you? Where are you? I know you're hiding. I, I know you're hurt. I know you feel shame, but, but where are you? Because I, I, I want to lavish my love on you. You see, look, this is how God responds to our shame. God responds to our shame by drawing us out and drawing us into community with him and other people. That, that, that's how God responds to our shame. You're shameful? Okay, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw you out. I'm going to draw you into community with me. And other people. Ben, you can come on up. Look, I I feel like tonight, um, man, the the team was praying and just believing. And and, and if you don't really know us or or understand what we do, this is our full-time job. And a lot of times we spend time just interceding for you guys. You don't have faith for yourself, that's okay. Come here, we'll have faith for you. But I feel like there's some of you in here tonight where you've been having some issues of intimacy with the Lord. And issues of intimacy maybe with other people in your relationships. And maybe tonight you came out of hiding for the first, for the first time. I don't know. But I feel like tonight the Lord wants to draw you out. Some of you are so in your head right now. And you know your your heart's beating out of your chest. Cause God's speaking to you, because He wants to draw you out and draw you into something new, something fresh, something exciting. My favorite part of this story. And whenever I, I I preach on a story, I, I read it probably 30, 40 times over and over and over again, and every time I read it, God just, like, speaks something different. If you're not in your word, you're missing it, man. You're missing it, because God wants to speak to you, and if, if you're not getting it the first time, read it again. He'll speak to you. And so I was reading this story about Adam and Eve, and I've read it a thousand times, and and, and I've read this one line, and, and you've heard it, and you, you know probably the implications of it. you I'm not going to tell you something that you've never heard before. But this one line that I'm about to read you should explain God's love for you. It should explain the entire gospel in one sentence to you. And if you respond to this one sentence, if you hear this one sentence and receive it, and trust that God said it and he meant it, it could change your life. Let's read it. Hopefully, this is good, right? The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. You're like, oh, that's, I don't know. It's not all that good. Let me read it one more time. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. You see, God looked at the clothes that they were currently wearing and said, that's not going to sustain you, that's not going to fulfill you. That's not going to bring the life to you that you deserve. And so God removed that and God put on new garments, garments that would last. And you see, what's important to know about this, if you haven't been to church and you don't understand what this passage really means, what the scripture really means, is that, think about it, it was animal skin. And for God to use animal skin, that means that an animal had to be sacrificed to cover up the shame. Well, fast forward thousands of years later, guess what? There was another person, a perfect lamb that was sacrificed to cover up your shame. And in a moment, when he breathed his last and said, it is finished, he took all your shame, all your pain, all your hurt, all your depression, all your anxiety, All your sin, all the things that happened to you, He took them. He scorned the shame of the cross. But Andrew, that that makes sense. But but God's got to be mad at me. Like the the language of shame is my language. It's all I know how to speak. It's all that people have spoken over me. It's the only language I know. All I feel is unworthy. Can I tell you something? Don't mistake the voice of shame for the voice of God. Don't mistake the voice of shame for the voice of God. God has never looked at you and said you're unworthy. Isaiah 62 says, That he delights in you. That he's pleased with you. That in your darkest hour, that he still delights. And he's still pleased with you. Some of you are saying, look, Andrew, I I want this. I do. I I can't keep living like this. But I, I don't know where to start. Andrew, you don't know the things that have happened to me. You don't know my hurt. You don't know my shame, and I don't. But God does. God does. And if you're taking notes, if this is speaking to you at all, even if it's for the one, that's why we do it. You know how we combat shame? Is we take its power. We take it the a source. We take its power, and here's how. Number one is this. If you find yourself in this place today, if not, write it down anyways because you'll probably find yourself here soon. Number one, give your shame a name. When you name things, you tame things. Give your shame a name. Because there's a lot of people in here where you can't even speak out what it is that you feel shameful for because it's so infiltrated in your heart and your soul. You're so embarrassed by it. But some of you tonight need to say, God, I'm shameful for what I did. God, I feel ashamed of what someone did to me. God, I feel ashamed of what I said. Like, give it a name. Because when you give it a name, you bring it out into the light. And where there is light, darkness has to flee. You're sitting in here, and all this shame is inside of you. Well, you know what? You know what grows in the dark? Shame grows in the dark. And you're sitting in here with shame. But when you begin to give it a name, you begin to expose it, you take its power. Because you allow the Lord to work. That's number one. Number two is this. Give your shame a name. Number two, expose your heart to God. Expose your heart to God. When we hide, we limit God's power to move. I wrote this down. God desires to bind up the brokenhearted and set captives free, but how can we transform our brokenness into wholeness if we insist on concealing? That was why the Lord came. To give you life and life abundant, To mend the brokenhearted. To set the captives free. Expose your shame to the Lord. And here's the third one. This is the one that I hate. Expose your heart to others you can trust. Expose your heart to others that you can trust. Let me tell you something. Vulnerability chokes out shame. It it, it takes away its oxygen. I want you to think about shame. And I want you to think that as you begin to expose your heart to other people, I want you to think of that shame losing its oxygen in literally UFC style rear naked choke losing itself. Because the Bible says that when we admit our sins to the Lord, admit our shame to the Lord that He's faithful and just to forgive. But when we confess to others that's when healing takes place look God if if right now you begin to pray God forgive me of my shame just like that as far as the east is from the west he'll throw your sin but if you want true healing you confess to your brother you confess to your sister Chad Brugman said it best you can have freedom or you can have secrets but you can't have both and some of you for a long time have been trying to be free with secrets. But, Andrew, if I let people in, I'll lose everything. I promise you that what you, re- what you lose, God will replace with something better. Like, if, But, Andrew, if, 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 I, if I tell people I might lose my job, I might lose my relationship, I don't know what to tell you. But what I do know is that I trust that what God will replace it with will be better. Can freedom, you can have freedom, we can have secrets, we can both. Look, the goal is, is not to never feel shame again. It's, it's just not the reality, okay? You might go home tonight, make a dumb decision, and feel some shame in your heart. It's, it's not really a problem to solve, it's kind of like a tension to manage. <laughs> and what you need to realize is what Connor said, the righteous fall, but they keep picking themselves back up. So when you do have those moments of shame, what do you do? You give it a name. You expose your heart to God. You expose your heart to others. Oh, man. I wasn't gonna read this, but I brought this up here to make myself accountable. So. So about a year ago, when I was in my darkest season of life, and shame had infiltrated my heart for probably about two years, and I had no freedom, someone sent me to to Florida to do a five-day intensive with a counselor. That's how Jack, I needed five straight days, y'all. And, and I, I went just filled with shame, shame as a husband, shame as a father shame as a pastor my heart and soul was destroyed and we talked for a few days and on day three my counselor who changed my life he had me write an i will statement to my shame and i said can i read it to you it's pretty short here's what i wrote in a Starbucks in Florida, bawling my eyes out, and everyone wondering what was wrong with me. I said this: Shame has owned me. Man, it has defined me. It has trapped me. It has used me and has abused me. It has taken my joy and has stripped me of my confidence. Today, that ends. I have been so mad at God and shame has been my biggest cheerleader. Today I put my sights on my true enemy. Here's my I will. I will no longer let shame define me. I will no longer let shame abuse me. I will no longer be trapped in the belief that my circumstances, my job, my wife, my sin define me. I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God, I trust you, I believe you. Shame has no hold on me. Come on. This is real life, y'all. We don't have to pretend, we don't have to protect our image pray for you, Lord. God, I thank you for everyone in this room. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you did in my life, Lord, so I can stand on this this stage and share with full confidence that I I trust you with my shame. That I'm not embarrassed by my shame, that I don't have to hide anymore. I don't have to hide from my wife. I don't have to hide from my friends. I don't have to hide from you. Because you cover me. God, you're so good. You defeated the grave. And Lord, I feel like there's so many people here tonight, Lord, who are living in their shame, and I feel like you're screaming to them, why, I paid for that. That's why I went to the cross. You're worth more than that. Your shame does not define you. Your shame can no longer abuse you. Your shame can no longer trap you. Give your shame and name. Maybe some of you right now while you're praying, begin to give your shame and name. What is it? Come on, talk to him in your own words. you need anybody to do anything for you in your own words, begin to talk to him. Jesus. Come on, talk to him. Don't be ashamed. Talk to him. With heads bowed and eyes closed. You're sitting here tonight and you're like, man, if I'm being completely honest with you, Andrew, this is me. And I'm ready to move past it. I'm ready to get mad at the right thing. Not mad at everyone else, not mad at God. I'm I'm ready to get mad at the right thing, get mad at shame. And I'm ready to start moving the ball down the field. Change my destiny. You're in here tonight and you're saying, you know what, Andrew, I've been living in this shame. Would you slip up your hand? Oh man, wow. Wow. You put your hands down. If everyone would just stand to your feet. This this might be weird for you. I I know that you guys do this here sometimes, especially with uh, Pastor Connor Grant. Um, but I feel like the Lord Lord wants to do something special but I feel like for some of you raising your hand just wasn't enough Now it's enough for me but it just wasn't enough for you because you know that I need to take a step of faith and I need to step out and I need to wrestle with God if you're in here tonight you raise your hand and you're saying tonight I want it to end would, would you just make your way down front make your way down front if that's weird for you you don't have to but all across this place you can make room you squeeze on it All right, man, here we go. We're about to wrestle with the Lord. Not wrestle against Him, we're gonna wrestle with Him. We're gonna fight shame in this moment. So if you're down here, I just want you to lift your hands, lift your hands up, and I want you in your own words just begin to talk to God. Come on, cry out to Him. Cry out to Him in your own words. Come on, begin to tell Him. that you got, come on, cry out to them. I just know that there's people in here tonight where something was done to you that was just flat out unfair. Someone stole something from you. When I say that, I mean sexually, someone stole something from you. This isn't just females in the room statistics will show that maybe that's more. But there's plenty of men in this room who something was stolen from them. You've carried around a lot of shame. I, I don't know what the Lord wants to do for you in this moment. I'm not God. I don't know what it is that you need. I don't know what the words that you need to be spoken over you. But I think sometimes, because what happened to us, I think we believe that God shames us. And look, God does not shame the brokenhearted. The woman at the well, who had five husbands, it was on to her sixth. God didn't shame the brokenhearted. The woman who was caught in adultery. God did not shame the brokenhearted. God does not shame you for what you've experienced, for what's happened in your life. God wants to restore you, redeem you, and may I be so bold that God wants to give you the strength at some point to forgive. You're holding on. And I won't share this part of my story yet, but I could stand down here with you. this past year in my life has been a battle to forgive so God wants to restore God wants to keep working it's not a quick fix what happened tonight it's, it's not just a quick fix like the Lord wants to keep working in your life so keep showing up as the righteous fall we keep standing up just keep showing up keep knocking keep standing up Don't lay down, keep standing up, keep showing up. In the name of Jesus, darkness has to flee. At the name of Jesus, darkness has to flee. I love y'all, let's worship.